Today, over in Rome, our Pope Francis canonized Pope John XXIII and Pope John Paul II. I know there's been talk of this in the news. Uh, it's been mentioned in, on the radio. And to a greater or lesser degree, the media sometimes can distort or not fully comprehend what it is that the church is doing. More often than not, you get the impression that the church is making John the 23rd and Pope John Paul II saints. They're turning them into something that they weren't before. And we're all waiting for the church to make these two men saints. And now they are something different than what they were before. And that's not what the church does when she canonizes someone. That is, when she declares someone to be a saint. There are two things or two reasons why the church declares someone officially to be a saint. We're all called to be saints. There are two reasons why the church picks out certain individuals in her history and officially declares them to be a saint. And the first is to let us know that we have someone in heaven that we can ask for their intercession. That is, someone who is in the presence of God that we can ask, please intercede on my behalf. And that's why the church, in the canonization process, the process of becoming a saint, the church looks for miracles. Why? If I'm asking through the intercession of Pope John Paul II, a certain favor, a certain miracle in my life, and God intervenes, then we can be fairly certain that that person is in heaven. That person is in the presence of God. So these aren't magical formulas. These aren't medieval rituals that the church adheres to. There is logic, there is reason behind why the church asks and looks for these things to determine to the best of our ability this person is in the presence of God. This person is our brother or sister and we can ask them to intercede on our behalf before God. The second reason that the church officially declares someone a saint is so that we have an example to follow. The person is in the presence of God. What do they care if they're declared a saint or not by the church? They're completely and totally happy. It's not like there are people up in heaven every time the Pope goes out in St. Peter's Square and they're like, oh gosh, I really hope he declares me a saint this time. And then the Pope comes out, Pope Francis goes out and he says, well, we're going to declare Pope John the 23rd and Pope John Paul the 2nd. And everyone else in heaven who hasn't been declared a saint yet, they're like, oh, not again. You know, I was just really hoping I'm, that would really make me happy. You know, God Almighty, He's pretty good, but I'm just, oh, I'm so, so disappointed I didn't get declared a saint. It's not for them that the church declares them saints. It's for us. The church is saying, look, there's something we can learn from them. There's something we can learn from them. Why John the, Pope John XXIII and why Pope John Paul II together today. Pope John XXIII announced the Second Vatican Council. This Pope who was elderly when he was elected Pope, they thought would just be kind of one who would be there and it would be kind of a transition period and then we would get the Pope that would lead us into the next phase. And lo and behold, he said, well, let's call a uh, ecumenical council totally rocking the church, so to speak. 
wanting to engage this world, throwing open the doors to the church and say, we need to engage this world in a big way. Pope John the 23rd and Pope John Paul II, whom we're much more familiar with, put that desire of Pope John the 23rd into practice, traveled the world and brought thousands and millions to the church. He went out looking for them as the good shepherd. Today is also referred to as Divine Mercy Sunday. It was declared such by Pope John Paul II in the year 2000, partly because of his devotion to Sister Faustina, who is a saint, a Polish saint, and her mystical experiences with Jesus Christ, but also because of the very nature of this weekend's gospel passage. And this is what leads us to the gospel that we've read this evening. In this gospel passage, Jesus appears before his disciples and he says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven them. Peace be with you. Whoever sins you forgive are forgiven them. The forgiveness of sins, the mercy of God. And Pope John Paul II wanted this Sunday for us to remember this incredible gift of God's mercy. We become so accustomed to it, the gifts we've received, the gift of baptism, the gift of the sacrament of reconciliation. The early church referred to it as the second baptism. They regarded the sacrament of confession with such awe, with such amazement. They considered it as another baptism, a second chance for our sinful humanity. Today, the Sunday of divine mercy. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that both on Easter Sunday and today, we are reading from the Gospel of John. And just as you may have heard me speaking about on Easter Sunday, John begins with, on the first day of the week, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And how unusual that was, because all the predictions were on the third day. On the third day I will rise. On the third day, right, I will rebuild this temple, speaking about his body. And yet John says, on the first day of the week, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene the first day for the Jews that would become later on our Sunday. That is not the Sabbath, but Sunday. And interestingly enough, one week later, today's gospel passage, how does it begin? On the evening of that first day of the week, John hammers it home again. This is the first day of the week that is Sunday, the Lord's Day, as we would call it later on. And what happens? Jesus appears to the disciples, but there's one that's missing. Thomas. Thomas is not there. Thomas is missing. And John doesn't tell us why he's missing, but he does imply that John should have been there. What does he say? He says, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not there. That is, Thomas, one of those disciples, one of us who have just experienced Jesus Christ, was not there. He was absent. 
It's not important the reason why Thomas was not there. What's important is that the fact that he was not there and he was supposed to be there. He was missing from that community of disciples on the first day, the Lord's Day, Sunday. And what happens? When does Thomas finally encounter the Lord? Jesus doesn't go to him. And we might say, well, why not? Jesus went to Mary Magdalene and encountered her in a personal way. Jesus sought out the two disciples who were going to Emmaus, sought them out, walked with them on the road, revealed himself to them. Why did he not go to Thomas? Why wasn't it until a whole week had passed and Thomas was back with the twelve that Jesus revealed himself to Thomas? Because Thomas, for some reason we don't know why, had separated himself from where he belonged. Jesus wants to encounter us within the community of believers. And Jesus encounters Thomas a week later, which lo and behold, what day would that be? Again, the first day of the week, Sunday. My dear brothers and sisters, it's not indifferent that we gather here today. It is here that Jesus Christ does appear to us. It's here that Jesus says, come, put your finger into my hands and put your hand into my side and don't be unbelieving but believe. Every time I receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, he comes so that I can touch him and more importantly, so that he can touch me. This happens every week to me. But you know something that's even more incredible? Is ask yourself, why is it that Thomas came back the next week? Thomas was absent. A week later, Thomas was present. Why? It tells us in the gospel the other disciples went to Thomas and they said we have seen the Lord they didn't give him a theological explanation they didn't beat him over the head they didn't guilt him into coming back with them on the first day they simply came and transmitted the joy the amazement of having encountered the Lord and they said Thomas we have seen the Lord and Thomas comes and encounters the Lord there are many Thomases in our world still today there are many Thomases in our neighborhood still today there are many Thomases in our parish still today. Maybe it's someone who lives next door to me. They might be someone who lives in the cubicle next to me. Might be someone that I have lunch with on occasion. And they're waiting for me to tell them, I have seen the Lord. Come with me. Come and encounter our Lord Jesus Christ. And your brothers and sisters, 
Jesus Christ needs us. Jesus Christ needs me to reach those Thomases that are real. These Thomases that are yearning for that encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. We're the ones that need to go. We're the ones that need to go and say, come, come experience what I've experienced. And do not be unbelieving, but believe.